Okay, we started a series, a new series last week called There is a Reason. Today's topic is Find Your Way. Uh, pray for me, I've been sick all week, <clears throat> and it's a little difficult for me to talk, and hopefully we'll get through this uh, pretty easily. <clears throat> so last week, just, just to catch you up a little bit, we talked about pain. And often there is a reason for your pain. In fact, from last week's outline, sometimes God prepare, God's preparation, excuse me, comes packaged as pain. God brings us through a painful experience to prepare us for something uh, in the future. And so we talked about that last week. You can catch up, go back and watch that or listen to that. <clears throat> Today's topic is about discovering your why. Now we're going to start with, with um, show and tell. All right, only people up here can answer this question. Who can tell me what this gadget is? What's its purpose? What do you use it for? Anybody? Tuning fork. That's what it looks like, right? <laughs> oh, we got some musical people. No, it's not a tuning fork. I wonder if it would work. No, it doesn't really do too much. Uh, <clears throat> anybody have any plumbing experience? I do not know what this was for. I asked a friend, somebody in the church to bring me some tool that probably nobody's going to know what it's for. <clears throat> this is to put some kind of traps in sinks or something. <laughs> All right, now, none of us knew what that was for, so what would you have used it for? The best answer I got first service was paperweight. <laughs> when we don't know what it is, it's a paperweight, right? Nice and heavy, keeps stuff from blowing away. Uh -uh. <clears throat> anyway, but that isn't what it was designed to do. It wasn't what its purpose to do. And it could be a paperweight, but it's not as good as paperweight as it is for its designed purpose. In fact, we would be underutilizing it or abusing it by using it as a paperweight. Uh, he actually gave me two. How about this one? That's a kind of neat gadget. I kind of like this one. <laughs> this is also a plumbing tool. You reach up under there and attach those faucet things. Anyway, all right, again, it makes a nice paperweight, but that's not what it's designed for. That's not its purpose. So, on your outline, if you don't know something's purpose, you're likely to abuse it or misuse it, right? And I probably could drive a nail with it, but it wouldn't make the best hammer in the world, would it? So, why? What is your why? Why do you exist? Why are you here? Why do you have breath on earth? It's easy for us to... to to think about, you know, pain, what, what is that purpose? Or, you know, I keep trying and this relationship's not working. Uh, why should I keep trying or what's the use? Um, what is your purpose for being? Why do you exist? Now, most people, I want to say most people, a lot of people don't know. Um, that's why we're talking about this. <clears throat> They'd like to know but they really don't know. And so we do a lot of, for better a word, experimenting, trying things, trying to figure out what's it all worth, what's it all for. So I wanted to start with something a guy by the name of Luke wrote. He wrote one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But he also wrote Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, the story of the early church. Anyway, about halfway through that book, he writes something really fascinating about a guy in the Old Testament. Most of you probably know him by name. 
King David. And here's what he wrote about King David. For David, after he had served God's purpose, there's our word, purpose, God's purpose in his own generation, 3,000 years ago, then he died, like everybody else, then he died. Now, I thought this was fascinating because why in the world would we be talking about, well, Luke a thousand years later, and us 3,000 years later about this guy named David? Well, one of the major reasons is because he served God's purpose in his generation. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people have lived back then, and we have no idea about them. Some of them probably served God, others didn't. So, uh, I came across this quote from another preacher. <laughs> he said this, and I believe it's true, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. We're all going to die, right? So, the question is, what are you going to do with your life? So, the greatest tragedy then is to have a life without purpose. Just kind of go through in life, trying to just live in day to day, not understanding what the why of life what a loss. You ever find yourself lacking motivation? I think one of the reasons we lack motivation is because we lack purpose. When I have a purpose, I'm motivated to fulfill that purpose. If it's a, a, a purpose of value. And, and, and some people don't think, think their life has value. In fact, part of the difficulty of going through COVID has been... Uh, it's disruptive what we consider valuable. So what's your purpose? I want to talk about purpose a little bit. <clears throat> Give you three principles of purpose. First one's this. Your purpose isn't for you. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just, Pastor, you just said, what, you're asking me what is my purpose? Well, I'm trying to answer that question. Your purpose isn't for you. That's one reason we have difficulty discovering what it is. Your purpose is to fulfill God's purpose in your generation, my generation. That's exactly what's said about King David. He served God's purpose. What was God's purpose for him? One was to be the second king of Israel, right? And so he fulfilled that purpose. <clears throat> David, um, early on in his life, he was running from King Saul present king, he was going to be the next king, and he, he writes this in one of the Psalms. David, I called out to God most high, to God who will, what, fulfill his purpose for me. Will God fulfill some other purpose for you than his purpose? No, I mean, you can accomplish or, or try and pursue some purpose outside of God's purpose, but he's not going to help you pursue that purpose. <clears throat> Most of you know that uh, when I was a teenager and God called me into the ministry and I told him no. <laughs> if I went and do something else, would God fulfill that purpose in my life? He, didn't. he could have. He didn't promise me to. But he will promise to fulfill his purpose, his purpose in your life. What a wonderful promise or, or uh, something we can claim from God, that he will fulfill his purpose. So, 45 years ago, 50 years ago, whenever long it was, <clears throat> God said, okay, I want you to go in the ministry, 
I will fulfill that purpose in you. And I've been in the ministry all these years. He'll do the same for all of us if we pursue His purpose for me, not a purpose that I want to pursue. So what is the definition of purpose? What is purpose? Well, a simple definition of purpose is original intent. These had original intent was to be plumbing tools, right? Original intent. So, what is your original intent? Why were you created? Now, the problem is there is something that entered into our lives that's kind of messed up our original intent, hasn't it? It goes all the way back to the garden, right? Adam and Eve were created, and God had a purpose for them, be in fellowship with Him, but they decided to do something else. We call it sin. Now, what's the definition of sin? Sin is an uh, archery term. All right? It means missing the mark. So if you ever had a target and tried to hit it with a bow and arrow, sin is missing the target, missing the bullseye, missing the mark. And so what we all have to deal with is, in some respect, we have missed the mark of our lives, right? Because we have sin in our lives. And so God's purpose is upset, it's disturbed, it's missing. We are violating God's purpose because of sin in our life. So constantly we do search and we do experiment. We try and figure out what it is. Now we all have specific purposes like me to be a pastor, but there's also a general purpose that we're going to talk about. A big movement in the church happened, what we call in the Reformation, about 500 years ago. And so the church was trying to understand itself, recreate itself, whatever it might be. And so a group of guys got together and wrote what's called the Westminster Catechism. And they tried to answer this question about purpose. And I thought it was a good answer to the question. So I put it on your outline. What is the chief end of man? What is man's purpose? What is our purpose? Why are we here? Man, mankind, chief purpose is to, twofold, glorify God and enjoy Him forever. (coughs) I thought that was a good answer. Glorify God, which means it's not about me. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. See, you and I are created for either the garden or we are created for heaven. And if you're a Jesus follower, you're a little bit out of place here because this is in heaven. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad that you're joining us. This will help you understand why God created you. Now, one of the problems I think we have is this. Instead of enjoying God, we often try and use God for our enjoyment. It's kind of Subtle, isn't it? So what do you seek to do? Do you seek to enjoy God or you use God to try and enjoy life, so to speak? So, our purpose, my purpose, your purpose, everyone's purpose is to glorify God, our Creator God, and enjoy Him, not just forever, enjoy Him now and forever. So purpose number one, it isn't for you, 
is to fulfill God's purpose. Secondly, you don't find your purpose. You serve God's purpose, which ultimately you find your purpose because it's serving God's purpose. Interesting story about King David. Um, Back up a little bit. Saul was the first king. And then God was kind of upset with Saul and said, we need a new king. And we're not going to do things normal way. We're not going to use one of Saul's, uh, excuse me, yeah, Saul's sons. I'm going to send you Samuel, his prophet, God's prophet. I'm going to send you to this guy named Jesse's house. And one of his sons is going to be the next king. Really unusual because you already had a king. They didn't, you didn't need to pick out a new one until... Uh, you lost the old one. So Samuel was a little concerned about this because he could get in trouble with the king. But God said, go ahead and do it. So he gets to Jesse's house. And Jesse assumes and Samuel assumes is probably the oldest son, right? Bring out the oldest son. God says, no, no, it's not him. Oh, well, maybe it's the second oldest son. <clears throat> Brings him up. No, it's not him. Third son, fourth son, fifth son. Seven sons go by. And Jesse said, oh, you know, there's my sons. And Samuel's confused, all right? God said it's going to be one of your sons. You've shown me seven. God said it's none of them. Is there another son? Oh, yeah, there's this, the youngest guy, a guy named David. He's out, out, out taking care of the sheep. Samuel said, stop. Call him in. We're not doing anything else until I've met David. David comes in and God says, that's the one. The least likely one. The youngest one. And there's an interesting verse there that says, God doesn't judge the way man judges by outward appearance. God judges by what? Who knows? By the heart. By the heart. By the inside. David had a heart. We're going to see a heart for God. And none of these other sons had. <clears throat> so, reading a, a passage from the Psalms, where did they find this next king? He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep's pen. All right, so we don't find David running home and saying, oh, maybe I'm the next king. One of my brothers is going to be king. One of us is going to be king. No, he just continued serving, uh, for serving his family. Shepherding the sheep. A little later, there's this battle going on. The Philistines and the Israelites. And David's brothers are fighting on the army. And so Jesse, David's still home. Maybe he's too young. And Jesse says, well, I need you to send some food. I need you to take some Lunchables to your brothers. Uh, They're hungry, okay? So what's David do? He takes food to to his brothers. When he gets there, though, There's this guy named Goliath standing there taunting the armies of Israel. In fact, he's been doing this morning and evening for 40 days. David shows up and he's hearing this. This guy is blaspheming Yahweh God, his God. Well, David can't can't take this. He's he's confused. Why isn't anybody doing something to stop this guy? Well, he's a giant. Everybody's afraid of him, right? And so David said, we've got to do something. We've got to do something about this. 
Everybody's afraid. He said, I'll fight him. Now, again, this is a teenage boy, no military experience. He did have experience, as he told the king, about defending the sheep. And there's this funny part of the story where, well, Saul says, well, I'll let you little teenage boy try, which was dangerous because if he lost, then the Philistines won. And he tries on his armor, and it's too big, and he doesn't used to it. He said, no, I'll do it my way. <coughs> Story. He goes, <coughs> he goes out. Excuse me. I was doing pretty well. <laughs> and he goes out and defeats him. Has a great victory for, for Israel. <clears throat> so how? How do you and I today serve God's <coughs> purpose? And, well, first two purposes isn't that you, isn't for you. Purpose is to fulfill God's purpose. Secondly, you don't find your purpose. You serve God's purpose, and to serve God's purpose, here's I believe the key. Start serving God's people. <clears throat> Jesus is teaching his disciples, and we come across this story in Mark chapter 10. He finally tells them clearly and plainly, we said last week, why he came. He's saying, I came to suffer and die. I'm going to rise again on the third day, but I don't believe they really heard that. The fascinating thing in, in Mark's account is this. Right after Jesus said this, two of the disciples, James and John, come to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, do us a favor. Uh, how do you feel when somebody comes and asks you for a favor? I always like it when they put a little, the word little in front of it, because I don't know how big that favor is going to be, right? Well, Jesus is gracious. He said, well, sure, let me know. What is it can I do for you? And they said, well, uh, when you set up your kingdom, Forget about that dying stuff. When you set up your kingdom on earth, you're going to need a right-hand man, a number two, and a number three. We're volunteering. Do us a favor. Let us be number two and three. And Jesus, I just believe, he shakes his head and says, guys, guys, you just listen to what I said. I said, I'm going to be dying. You, you, are you signing up for that? He said, you don't know what you're signing up for. But he said, I don't have the, it's not my place to give that to you. I can't give that to you. Well, there's 12 disciples, right? What do you think the other 10 thought about this? Think they were happy? Now they said they came to, they were upset. Well, wait, wait a minute. Why shouldn't we be number one? You know, every one of them, Peter, Peter and the others saying, well, what makes you think you should be number two and number three? Maybe it should be me or one of us. So Jesus gets them together Jesus was a patient man with those disciples, wasn't he? Gets the 12 together, and here's what he says to them. Jesus said to them, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Yeah, yeah, that's why we want to be number two and number three, because we want to tell people what to do. 
Jesus goes on, but among you it will be different. Well, we don't want it to be different, Jesus. We want, we, we want to be able to tell people what to do. Now, listen, guys. Among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you as my followers must be a servant. Leader must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave. Wait a minute, Jesus. We're, talking, we're not talking about slaves. We're talking about leaders. Yes, you don't understand. This is my, we call it upside-down kingdom. In my kingdom, you must serve others. He goes on. For even, this is the most amazing part. For even the Son of Man, me, Jesus, did not come to be served. Well, wait a minute, you're, you're God. You didn't come to be served? How could that be? But to serve others. In fact, not just to serve others, but to give my life for you. For everyone. As a ransom for many. I've come to supply your needs, not my needs. My need was, I could have stayed in heaven. How amazing that our God would send His only Son to suffer and die for us. So, on your outline, do something to serve people. It could be inside the church, it could be outside the church. Do something to positively impact somebody's life. Somebody's just discouraged, give them encouraging words. Somebody's grieving, Pray for them. Uh, take somebody a gift. Uh, cut somebody's grass. Uh, take out their trash. Bake them something. Cook them something. Do something that serves people. See, our culture, our world, the devil, if you will, doesn't want us to discover our why, does he? He wants us to flounder around without purpose and meaning. So put on your outline. Don't let the devil do it. Don't let the devil convince you it's about you. And it's about... Remember I said last week that the, the, the newest idol of Americans is comfort. Well, Jesus didn't make comfort his idol. We shouldn't make comfort our idol. We should seek to serve. Some of you are in small groups, some of you aren't. I always ask myself, well, why is this, why do, you know, I enjoy my small group so much, why, why are other people in a small group? And it boils down to, I know there's other issues, but all right, I've got this couple hours a week. All right. I feel I can best benefit not by being in a small group, but by doing something different with my time. That's a decision we all make, right? I'm actually in two small groups, by the way, but. But see, that's the wrong way to approach that question. Isn't it about you needing the group? It's about the group needing you. They need you to serve them. They need you, your input. They need your support. It works both ways. You need theirs too. You just don't feel like you do. Jesus followers. 
What's the greatest thrill in your life? Oh, I mean, there's things like getting engaged or big thrills, right? But, but in general, I believe, and I believe most of you would say the same thing. The greatest thrill in life is to be used by God. God uses me when I'm up here speaking. God uses you all when you sing and play. When you just serve somebody. When you give a word of encouragement in your small group. To be used by God. Well, to be used by God, you've got to serve. When I got to think about this topic, it came to mind this passage in Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> Paul is running this church in Rome, and, and he's, the book of Romans is just full of all this deep theology. So you get to chapter 12, and then he says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. What does he, what does he want to plead with them about? <clears throat> to give your bodies to God. Meaning, give your life to God, right? Your time, your talents. Because, why? Why, why, why should we do that? Because of all he has done for you. We just talked about that. What did he do? He died. He, he ransomed your soul and mine. He paid the debt we couldn't pay. So, all right, since he's already paid the debt I couldn't pay, in my thankfulness, my appreciation to him, I'm going to live my life for you. And he says it this way, let them be, let your lives be a living and holy sacrifice. Living sacrifice is kind of an interesting term, right? We think of things dying as sacrifices in the temple. They sacrificed animals. Jesus was sacrificed. He died. He said, I don't... some people die for their faith, but most of us aren't going to have to, do we? But sometimes it's harder to live it than it is to die for it. <clears throat> to make that daily sacrifice of not my will, but yours be done, God. Show me how I can serve you. He says this, this kind will be, he'll find acceptable. What God desires from us. This is truly the way to worship him, remember? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. How do you do that? Glorify God by offering him your life as a living sacrifice. Put aside your selfish ambition for God's ambition. And one more verse. <clears throat> Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What's this world about? Yeah. Grab as much gusto as I can. Right? It's all about me. Now, so what, how do you resist that? How do you fight that? Well, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So I don't think me first. I think God first, which means I think of others first, right? So once you can change your thinking, then guess what happens? You will learn to know God's will for you. You learn to know God's plan for you. You learn to know God's purpose for you. And God's purpose is what? Good and pleasing and perfect. So what's your purpose? What's your purpose? Glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. 
Have you been abusing your purpose? See, we can either serve God's purpose or do something else. And I put it on your outline this way. You can make excuses or you can make a difference. Yeah, yeah, I know I should do that, but I'd rather do this. <coughs> Don't make a difference doing that. You make a difference serving God's purpose. David. What was unique about David? He was a man after God's own heart. He had God's heart. So I came across this phrase, this sentence, I think best describes what I'm trying to talk about this morning. It's not original with me, but it helped me to focus on purpose. Live to make God look good. Not for you to look good. Not for me to look good. But live in such a way to make God look good. And I know many of you, and you're serving, you're serving your families, you're serving other people. But here's my challenge for you this week. Do something extra to serve someone. Would you do that? Let me pray with you. <clears throat> Thank you, God, for getting my voice through this <laughs> teaching this morning. <clears throat> we thank you that you create us with purpose and meaning and significance. But God, we are deceived and at times we go seeking for that in other places and we can't find it. And it doesn't have to be complicated. We just start by serving. So God, I would pray we would look for opportunities to serve that we'd be creative in it, that we would not just sit back and do nothing. And those who are watching or listening or here that aren't Jesus followers, God, we pray today they would understand that they have such great value that you died for them and they have a greater purpose for their life than just to live it. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.